I'm Asan, and we're back. It's Friday, and this is the first Friday show of the 1920 season. Joining me, first of all, we've got fresh meat in Mr. Ali Fogg. Morning, Ali. Good morning, Asan. How are you? I'm very well. I'm, I'm buzzed. The, the Premier League is back. Yes, <laughs> the, football is, the football is definitely back. And of course, I've got the only man my wife lets me call my partner, Mr. Howard Hockey. Morning, Howard. <laughs> well, I don't know what to make of that. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, just don't Excellent. ever call me fresh meat. That's just... <laughs> I think I did once, way, 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 way back in the day. But no, yeah. I won't do that. I won't do that again. So look, it's Friday. The Premier League is back. Pep's press conference will be back this afternoon. Uh, Liverpool fans are back on Twitter. Liverpool Echo is back doing its thing. We are definitely, definitely, definitely back. Look, where we're going to start is pretty much the only place we can start, but I want to try and cover it relatively quickly because I feel as though we've done it a lot and there's been a lot of conversation around it. <laughs> Ali, quite simply, what now for Leroy Sane, Man City and Bayern Munich, in your opinion? Okay, well, my assumption the a day or two ago was that everything was off, that Sani would be spending uh, the next six months in Barcelona with uh, our team of surgeons, uh, and maybe we'll revisit the uh, transfer next summer. Uh, and then I had a quick look on Twitter, and I saw the Bayern fans all going crazy, saying, don't be, don't be put off, sign him, sign him now. Um, and there seems to be real pressure in Germany uh, to, to keep up. They're, they're still desperate for him. They know they're going to need him when he gets better. Um, they're worried about their wingers. Uh, and, you know, I'd, I'd sort of taken it as a strange kind of um, unfortunate blessing in disguise that, you know, he, he's going to have a long time out. It's horrible for the lad. It's a terrible injury for any footballer. Um, but, you know, at the very least, he'll be he'll be a City player for a while. Um I'm now not entirely convinced. Uh, I do think Bayern would be absolutely daft to take him when they don't know how you know what his recovery is going to be, and presumably um, even the German transfer window I think is September the second or something yes. like that. Uh, so they've got a couple of weeks, and you know they won't have any kind of prognosis. They won't know whether the operation has gone well or even if it will have happened by then. Um, so they would be absolutely buying a pig in a poke, as they say, uh, and I think they would be a bit daft to do it. But you know, it's still possible it might happen. Howard, what about for you? Do you think that do you think that Bayern? So two things. Firstly, do you think that Bayern can be convinced to pay the money anyway this window? And if they don't, how do you? Has this is this like a reset almost in the entire situation, or is it just like a pause? And then in January, if he's fit, we go back to the noise. Or do you think there's some chance he can sign a deal between now and January, for example? Yeah. We Bayern aren't signing him in this. <laughs> that's transfer window. That's gone now. Uh, no club signs a player with a cruciate ligament injury unless it's free or cheap or you know virtually low risk. Uh, now we want hundred million pounds plus. They're not they're not spending hundred million pounds plus on a player who we do not know the future of. Let's be honest. Uh, obviously, a young man. You'll get the best medical care available in the world probably and he'll probably be fine uh, and carry but you can't say that with absolute certainty you don't spend £100 on a player you can't even have a medical for uh, so it's done the only way they would if to risk it is to try and get a reduced fee and City would obviously just <laughs> laugh in their faces if they tried to do that uh, so yeah we are kind of on pause the next step I think City will that contract offer will remain Mm. And it will be mentioned, you know, the next few weeks are about him, his surgery, recuperation, getting him the best care. And then I expect City will go back to him and say, look, this offer still remains. And for him, it makes absolute sense with an uncertain future to sign it. But it, de it depends how much he really wanted to leave and how, if he feels betrayed or something. And this is just speculation to say I know absolutely nothing that he was played on that Sunday. Uh, and, you know, if he feels that somehow City are to blame for this, City aren't to blame. Uh, uh, that, you know, he's a City player. I don't think they had any, it looks like they had no intention of selling him anyway. They're perfectly entitled to play him. 
It was just one of those freak things that was utterly unlikely to happen and yet all, almost guaranteed to happen as soon as he stepped on the pitch. You know, he's going to pick up an injury now just to confuse the situation. If he'd hurt his shoulder or something, then obviously Bayern would say, nah, we're okay with that. Yeah, there's not going to be any long terms. But you can't, someone with a, and we still don't know the precise diagnosis either. Uh, obviously, we will by September the 2nd, I imagine. Uh, but you can't you can't take risks signing people with a knee injury for that amount of money. Uh, mm, and I mean, what was Gundogan's injury? Obviously, we spent about £25 million. I mean, that sounds like a ridiculous risk to take for someone with an injury. But it it's was not, a knee injury. But it's it not £100 dis- million, is it? So No, it was a dislocated knee, I believe. But the thing that you should be aware of, Howard, is that Bayern Munich paid Lucas Hernandez's buyout clause back in February or March the day that he went in for an operation on his cruciate ligament that he'd injured. So Bayern have, in 2019, effectively paid 85 million euros for a player with a cruciate ligament injury. I think the difference is that even though they paid that buyout, they knew that by the time preseason started, he would be ready to train again. Whereas I think in this instance, it would be a case of buying him and then not being able to use him for the first six months of the season. Effectively, um, this season. And then you're effectively saying we've spent £200 million on two players with cruciate ligament injuries. Yeah. That, yeah, just no, take, that takes a risk. For a, team, for a side that hadn't spent, I don't know, like beyond £37 million or something beforehand, to then spend £200 million on two players under the knife is just... I mean, you're gambling your entire future away, you know, in a sense. Yeah. So to do yeah, it once, I'm surprised at that. I really am surprised that they would do that. Uh, obviously, I'm not a medical expert. I don't know. There's partial tears, proper tears, there's sprains. If it's surgery, though, it's obviously serious uh, and it needs reconstruction. So, no, honestly, I'd be absolutely staggered if they've not walked away. And I'll probably look in at another target, at least in the short term. Yeah, I was about to come in and say that. I think the uh, the biggest question, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if either of you know any better than I do. Um, Bayern, I believe, are, are really quite desperate for new wingers um, and new attacking players. Uh, and I doubt they would be prepared to wait six months for that kind of quality of player. And I, I don't know who's available, who they might be able to get, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if they take their 100, 150 million euros uh, and score, you know, scour all over Spain and Italy to find uh, another player that they can bring in. And once they've done that, if they can find that player, then their interest in Leroy will presumably diminish. Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to go out on a on a very, very, very weak limb here that might snap. Um, at some point, but I don't think that if if Bayern Munich don't sign him this transfer window, I don't think that Leroy Sané will pay play for Bayern Munich at any point in the next two or three years, um, because I just think that the rehab will require a new contract, and I think that there's a there's a conversation, and I said we weren't going to talk about this for long, but just very quickly, uh, I think that one of the things that is that at some point will be a going concern is that City initially offered Leroy a new contract over 12 months ago and he didn't sign it. Now, that contract would have doubled his wages. That contract remains unsigned. If he doesn't sign a new deal, then for two years, he will have earned half of what he could have been earning at City. And I think with the fact that he's now got an injury, I feel as though if City do come back and go and maybe even sweeten it. Yeah. But if City do come back in the next few weeks and go, look, here's a, here's a contract. We believe in you and we believe in you over the next five, six, seven years. And we want you to remain here, even though you've got this injury. I think he could well sign it. And I think if he does, that pretty much draws a line under, uh, under Bayern Munich's uh, chances of getting him. And I think, you know, I kind of take on board what Howard said about uh, the fact that you don't really sign players with injuries like that. But there are are unique situations, and this is a very unique situation. Leroy Sané is probably the most high-profile German player right now. Bayern Munich are Bayern Munich. Um, They have made so much noise this summer about signing Leroy. And if I was sat in his shoes, I'd be going, why didn't you talk to City in June? 
regardless of, mm. you know, the, if the, if the idea is, oh, well, we were waiting for you to decide. Well, no, you first go and feel out the, the selling club, get a price, get it, get it lined up so that when the player goes, all right, I want to come, you can just do that deal. To kind of sit there and try and do the whole thing through the press all summer, it's kind of blown up in their faces now. And from, from my point of view anyway, I think that the, the onus is on them to either complete the deal this window or I think Sane's people will just go, all right, bye. Next year, there'll be other takers. You know, Real Madrid and Barcelona were both distracted this summer. Both are perfect fits for Leroy Sane, as are Paris Saint-Germain. Bayern Munich are never going to get a free run at Leroy Sane in the way that they had this summer with two years left on his contract. And, uh, and they've stuffed it up, in my opinion. Yeah. I, okay. I, well, I think City made... <laughs> I think they made their position in the... Uh... The hierarchy quite clear this summer. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, the only other, the only other talking point in a way is uh, is what sort of contract, the length of it. Uh, would you know? I would try and get him on a five year, and as you say, that you know, kill, kill the Bayern link, or would he accept a shorter one that, so that it can be revisited? But we still have protected ourselves for the fee we get. So, yeah, I just don't think that that I. I I don't think that City will... I think it's kind of a weird thing to take to him because I think that the the club's point of view is very much, we want you to stay. Yeah. And if the club's point of view is we want you to stay and the contract offer on the table was a new five-year deal or a new six-year deal, it's going to remain a new five or a six-year deal. They're going to want him to stay. They're going to want him to sign it. They're going to want to do the rehab. They're going to, they're going to want to get him back. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But I I certainly, um, as, I'm really gutted for him. But beyond that, I, and also, again, still talking about it, all those tweets from all the City players at exactly the same time yesterday, it, it says two things to me. It says the boy needs picking up mentally because we've not seen that. Mendy's gone down twice with, with with cruciates and we've not had the whole team at exactly the same time and i think the second thing that was very telling is most of those tweets said the team will be waiting for you when you come back and i think there is a there is very much a sense of everybody going this is your family you should stay here this you know there's not a better place for you um so i feel as gutted as i am for him weirdly enough Doing this podcast, thinking about it this morning, I was like, I feel as though we'll have Leroy for another three or four years. But we'll see. As I said, I'm out on a on a on a shaky limb here. It might snap in the next six months. It might snap in the next three weeks. They might bring the money and you might go. But yeah. Um, okay, other big piece of news that broke this morning is Ilke Gundogan has signed a new four-year contract. Ali happy? Very happy, yeah. Um, I've been a big fan from the word go. I, mean, I, I kind of had faith in him talking of signing players with injuries. Um, you know, when, when he had that first horrendous year, yeah. uh, all I really knew about Gundogan was that he was the player that Pep wanted. Uh, he was the, the very first signing that Pep made when he arrived. Uh, and Pep has obviously always had a lot of faith in him. Um, and he, he just... Uh, well, I was going to say he never disappoints, and then the Community Shield came along, <laughs> and he had he had an absolute shocker. It was the worst game he has ever, or worst uh, thirty minutes he's ever played for us. Um, but I guess he was just getting that out of the system and in. Uh, in uh, preparation for a new contract uh, so yeah he's just such a useful player to have around I mean I know we'll we'll go on and talk about centre midfield and uh, and other players but uh, I, I just feel more comfortable um, you, you kind of get the sense that wherever somebody broke down or we ended up with a load of injuries and a gap to fill uh, Silky Oki would just step in and, and do a job uh, and particularly losing Danilo who kind of did the same thing to further back uh, I think it's really important that, that we kept Oki uh, and I'm really happy we did yeah absolutely I think that versatility that he has is is huge and and the word that I would use is pedigree. Gundogan has a pedigree that any team in the world would want in their dressing room. Um Howard uh, just a quick question on on his game time. So David Silva being the age that he's at our kind of desire to uh to see Foden play a lot more this season uh, 
are you worried about his game time or do you think for example with Furness stepping in with, with the fact that we're a centre-back short and he's talking about becoming the centre-back maybe Gundogan will play as many minutes in the six as he does in the eight how do you see it kind of panning out this season uh, there is it's still a crowded area at the pitch uh, but he signed a contract so he's confident himself I think I mean, we don't know. We don't know who's going to get injured. We don't know how tactically he's going to approach some games. You know, he may try a lot of different things this season. You know, with, especially with Cancelo coming in, and you know, I don't know how. You know, we might not see the same setup every game. I think for for Gundogan, and obviously we want Phil Foden to get more minutes, and he should do. You know, as his natural progression, he should get more minutes. The thing with Gundogan is he thinks he's better further forward. We've seen. As fans, his best positions further back. So, where does he want to play, and where will he be played by Pep? So, I think him signing the contract is him looking at it realistically and saying, "Look, I'm not going. I don't need to play 50 games a season, and it's worth me staying at this team that are doing brilliantly. And even if I play 30 games a season, that's you know that's okay. It's not the end of the world." I'll play some big games, I'll miss out on some others. But that's that's the way it goes in a squad with so much talent there. Uh, it is. It could be problematic if we have a fully fit squad, and yeah, we do. Someone has to miss out, and he mm. still could be one of the first to miss out. Uh, I don't know how much time Fernandinho is going to get on the pitch. It's, it's an unknown, not just because he's probably not match fit even for this weekend yet, and his age and so on and with Rodri coming in. So there's a lot of unknowns there, but it's all about using the squad. I mean, I think we've said many a time, it was clear two years ago, there was not a first 11 as such. There's probably a few names that would go be first on the team sheet for any semi, you know, any big match. But it's a squad game, and he'll get enough games during the season to justify signing a new contract. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Guardiola absolutely loves him. And I think that Guardiola said many times that if he could, he'd have a squad of 25 centre midfield players. So I think having too many centre midfield players is not really a massive issue for Pep. Um, And actually, I think the way that we play, um, it's probably the one area of the pitch where we should have as many players as possible because it is the most important area of the pitch. The six and the two eights are the heart of the City team under Pep. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that him signing up and having those options is better than not having the options. And even last season when it was just Ferner and then Gundo swapping in the six, I think bringing Rodri in, I just, think it's, I just think it's a big thing. I think that it allows Ferner to move further back, allows him to play less games because of his age. It gives Gundogan the opportunity to play in the six when Rodri isn't available. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm very, very, very happy with the uh, with the options there. Just looking at the, the transfer window very briefly, um, Ali, again, I'll start with you. Are you, are you happy with the business that City have done? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be very, I'll give you a very loaded hand grenade question. Are you worried that Vincent Company has left the building and the, the answer from Pep has been, I'm okay, I'm not signing anybody? Um. Ooh, well, that's a bit of a hand grenade. Uh, you can't really pl- replace Vinny. What we just said about it can be a problem if you've got too many players. Um, centre-backs of all the positions on the pitch are the ones that I want as much consistency as possible. Um, ideally, I would like like two uh, first-choice centre-backs uh, who never get injured, who never get tired and play week in, week out uh, and then maybe with the League Cup you give somebody else a turn. Um, that's not how pa- Pep plays and it won't be how City play this year. We will continue to rotate. Um, but, you know, I think sort of three senior centre-backs uh, with the possibility of a couple of kids coming through and there's you know um harwood bellis who's called uh looked fabulous over the summer um and then people keep talking about uh fernandinho slipping back if needed we have got a bit of cover there um and i think the three seniors filling two places week in week out is kind of okay so long as no more than one of them 
pick up a knock at the same time. Mm. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I, in terms of the transfer window as a whole, one of the... Uh, I can't remember who asked the question. Somebody asked at the beginning of the transfer window what we would like to see, uh, who who we would like to see City sign. Um, and I said, like everyone else, I said I thought we needed cover for the uh, Fernandinho defensive midfielder, and you know didn't take any great uh, knowledge or wisdom to spot that one. Um, but I also said the other thing I wanted to see was uh, a, a really hungry, young, dynamic. Uh, right back uh, who can push to what was then to aging uh, fullbacks um, and you know the right back spot has always been good for us but it's never been outstanding uh, I can't remember the last time we had a proper full man of the match performance from from a right back until to, <laughs> to uh, introduce a bit of deja vu or an echo in here um, on Sunday Kyle Walker <laughs> was absolutely amazing and produced his, the, you know, the one champagne moment of his career at City so far uh, with that Jackie Chan kick off the line <laughs> in the last minute. Um, so you know, maybe just the uh, the the threat of uh, uh, a, a rival in the air uh, was enough to give him a bit of a, a rocket up the bomb. Um, but no, I think yeah, you know, um, Kyle Walker has been amazing, but he is pushing thirty now. His game is entirely based on speed and pace and power, uh, and it's not reasonable to expect him to be playing at that level for another four or five years, I think. So we do need someone younger. Um, I was a little bit disappointed when Juan Bissaka went to United because I thought he would have been a, a really good fit for City. Um, but then, as things have turned out, we've, we've got not just a uh, cover for central midfield that I wanted, we've also got that cover for right back. And I could not be more delighted about that one. It's an absolute cracking signing. Uh, and I'm really excited to see him play. Absolutely. When I had that conversation with Sam about Jao Cancelo, I was just like, yeah, okay, we've maybe we've bought what we absolutely missed in uh, in this team. Um, Howard, what about for you, just briefly on the window, you, now that it's closed, do you feel that the City squad is stronger than last season? Yeah, just. I say, yeah, with, so losing Vinny, I've seen negative, but to add Rodri and Cancelo... I mean, we lost Danilo and he's never really done much wrong for him, but then he's never been given the chance to do much either. So we haven't really lost much, not because he's a bad player, but, you know, he didn't play enough to have a big impact on his side. Uh, not that he ever let the side down really when he did play. So Cancelo, you know, I can't say that it's a step up until I've seen him play for a season for City. You know, could, any player can be a disaster, but from what I've seen, it looks a very exciting signing indeed because so many people are scratching their heads at Juventus's uh, transfer policy this summer, uh, which you know, bodes well for us that they've allowed him to come here. So, And Rodri, obviously, is, is a much-needed signing. The, the, the only thing I would add about the, the defensive side is what makes me worry a bit less. And it is, you know, if there's a little chink in the armour, well, that's definitely it. You know, injuries couple of injuries we do have a problem there but the only, the only thing we'll say about pep teams is the formation is so fluid a lot of the time how many times have we seen the dm step back into defense when we're you know when we're when we're off the ball and step up when we're not on the ball so they're so fluid sometimes that it's not a it's not as if we play a set 4-4-2 and we need you know those two defenders on the pitch all the time. It's why you, you think Fernandinho could do a job there or we'll just be fluid with the ball a lot of the time and you won't it'll be hard to tell if we do have a set formation. So it's not perfect, but I'm still kinda glad we didn't go and spend eighty million pounds on another defender this summer because I don't think it's that big a problem. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I really, I, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but actually I completely agree with what Ali said before when he said that, you know, it's probably the one position where you don't really want to see rotation. And I think, Howard, me and you have had this conversation oh, yeah, many times, in, yeah. in moments over the last two two seasons, certainly while Pep's been there, that we felt sometimes like it's been a little bit of a lack of consistency at centre-back. So, And we even had a conversation about having too many options and being forced to rotate because you have so many high-level options that at a certain point you've just got to play one of the lads because otherwise they are, you know, 
just really, really top quality international players sat on the bench. Um, so maybe in that sense, we'll see a bit more. I mean, look, for me, I want Stones and Laporte to stay fit and be given the opportunity to cement themselves as the Rocks at the, the back this season. Um, yeah. And if they do stay fit, I, I've got my fingers crossed that they will they will do that. Um, I'm going to ask this very briefly, uh, not long not long answers from either of you, but um, any concern over Stones? Because it, it, it has felt like 2019 has been a little bit of a strange year for John Stones. Uh, Howard, do you, any concerns or do you just, you think tomorrow comes, he's in the team sheet and away we go? Well, concerns, yeah, because last season was uh, troublesome. But, mm. you know, I, I say I don't think it's all to do with football reasons. So, uh, you know, another point that I've made a thousand times is that we are, we're not dealing with robots, we're dealing with human beings who have lives and problems like we all do in our lives that affect how we act every day. Uh, as I was telling Steve on Monday that I was in a foul mood doing the podcast then, Uh because they haven't slept and it's just like people are normal and yeah, it's not, I don't, I don't if you're asking me about football, yeah, I, don't, I want him to get some games under his belt and I'm fine and just remember how last season started because for, I don't know how long it was, but a couple of months I thought, yeah, this is the pairing that Ali's talking about that we'll see now for years and years and years to come and that's fine, we can still do that. Yeah, this is, I don't have huge problems about him, no. I mean, I don't even mind if he makes the occasional mistake because that's the type of football we play. Yep, spot on. That's not a problem with me. Uh, and when he when he was dropped by, yeah, uh, by Guardiola last season, it wasn't after he put in a terrible performance. He just stopped playing, you know, and maybe mm. that was for other reasons in his life, and he just needed some time away. So yeah, I'm. I'm I have no concerns at this moment. I want to see him on the pitch, basically. I'm sure he'll be fine if he is. Okay. Ali, what about for you? Yeah, I've I've never been overly worried about John Stones. Um, Even last season when he was dropped, as as Howard just says, I was never quite sure why. He's never had uh, a run of absolute shockers. You know, he's had had bad moments here or there, but centre-backs always do. Uh, And, yeah, I've still got faith in, in him and and Laporte as a pairing that when when both of them play well together they look as good as any centre-back pairing I've ever seen in world football I mean they really are, they they boss it in every respect Um, and you know we don't, most of the time we don't need the big bruiser uh, to flathead Maguire uh, type player, you know what? What we want are the players that can play those penetrating passes out of the middle of uh, defence, through to Kevin or or whoever gets the ball, um, and the two of the you know the two of them do that better than anyone. Um, if we can keep them fit, fit and happy, and you know as Howard says, I've I've no idea what the story if there was a story at all with John Stones last year. Um, you know, let's just get them on the pitch and and keep their confidence as high as we can and stop worrying about it. Yeah. My hope. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that um, what you both said is spot on. And I just think that it is more and more, we have to come to terms with the fact that the most important thing in a Guardiola side is to be able to play football. Um, and, you know, as mad as that sounds, I think that the, the, it goes back to the Pep's classic, I don't coach tackles. The defensive side of the game is just something that you have to do to get the ball to actually play football. Um, and it's like I, I've seen a, a lot of people reacted to Sam's piece on Jao Cancelo saying, oh, great, another fullback who can't defend. And it's like, well, you know, our issue is actually that our fullbacks currently can't really attack. And so whereas Liverpool have this incredible option, this outlet with their two fullbacks, we haven't had that. And it sounds like with Cancelo, we're going to have that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that in in – Guardiola's City team, or in any Guardiola team, um, even the fullbacks have got to be attackers before they're uh, before they're defenders. Okay, gentlemen, Premier League is back. City go to West Ham tomorrow, Sunday tomorrow. Sorry, um, Howard. I know that you are a man of a relatively nervous disposition, <laughs> and I know that me and you had a. Um, a conversation about whether you were excited or a little nervous. And, and I did feel a little apprehension in the WhatsApp messages that you sent me. 
So <laughs> what the cry uh, the crying emojis. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um so just general feelings about starting the season away at West Ham. A good test. Um maybe you would have preferred something easier. Where does it where does it kind of land for you? Well, exactly the same as last season. I, I said then, oh, I prefer something easy to be eased in because players are coming back. And, I, you know, we know these players are brilliant, but I don't don't know if they're ready yet or match fit or whatever, you know, when anything can happen on the first day. Uh, but it turned out really well for us that we got Arsenal away out of the way with a nice 2-0 victory. So we've got one of the tougher games out of the way. Uh, it really helped us. So similar to that, really, I still would prefer... You know, a home to promoted side, but you could mess that up, and that wouldn't really tell us anything anyway. Uh, and yeah, we'll get to play him at so everyone get to play everyone twice anyway. So yeah, it'll be a good test. Uh, it'll be an interesting game. So I'm, I'm nervous because it's the start of a season, and yeah, we've not seen him play properly. So in a way, it's more nerve wracking than playing West Ham away in November. Mm. Uh, but yeah, you wake up tomorrow and you think. Oh, new season's here again already. So, yeah, don't worry, I'll be fine. Unless, <laughs> unless we don't win, in which case, uh, in which case Ali. he's a bald fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty-one minutes into the first Friday show of the season, bald fraud has been pulled yeah. out the bag. Well Ticket, done, Howard. City bingo, we can tick one off. Yeah, definitely. Um, Ali, can can these? opening day fixtures I'm, I'm going to extend it can these opening few weeks of fixtures they can be a little bit anomalous at times can't they uh, they're often really strange and I, was, I know we're going to come talk about team selection and so on in, in a little bit and, and I was thinking about that before we started this conversation and I've got no idea what's going to happen <laughs> and the first day of the season is always a bit like that You'd, we don't know who's match fit we don't know who's in form who's in whose head is in the right place um, and of course that's true of our own players at City but it's also true of all every team we play against um, and I, I know it's really annoying to talk about fantasy football, but I always find picking a fantasy football team at the start of August just about impossible because <laughs> I have no idea what kind of form anyone is in, and it feels like total luck of the draw to me, um, and and everything feels a bit random. But above all, I mean, to get back to your question of where we feel about the start of the season, um, it feels like a something of a hole in, in my life has been filled again. I, I've got the flutters that there's a Premier League match on this weekend for the first time in whatever it is, 11 weeks, 12 weeks. Splendid. I know. It's, um, what it made me think of is if anyone who's got kids from time to time, particularly at this time of year, actually, summer holidays, your child might go away to spend a few days with grandparents or on a school trip or something. And there's like a, a big gap in your life which you can fill with tranquility and peace and there's nothing to worry about and there's nothing to bother you um, and it's all lovely and you can get lots of stuff done at the same time there's just something huge missing and that's kind of how the closed season always feels to me <laughs> and and you know getting the first game 12 30 tomorrow uh lunchtime um it will be like my children coming home after 11 weeks away. oh <laughs> i love that i can't that. wait i can't wait but but yeah, um, West Ham, uh, I don't think we could have a better opponent, to be honest. I love playing West Ham, um, I mean, particularly since uh, Pellegrini got there and, and it became a bit of a retirement home for City cult heroes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, the West Ham games are always great. I think going to West Ham now is much less scary than it was at the Berlin ground. Um, that huge big coliseum really doesn't do them any favours as a, as a home ground. No. Uh, we... Uh, fingers uh, touching all the wood and fingers crossing as many fingers as I can. Uh, we've always done fairly well, from what I can recall, yeah. going to the London Stadium. Um, and there's just, I think, uh, Pellegrini's West Ham play the kind of football that uh, really suits City as an opposition. Um, and I don't want to uh, kind of sound too cocky or, or overconfident, um, but I'm 
if we have to play West Ham, or if we have to play anyone in the first game of the season, then kind of, I sort of wish they'd just give us three points and, <laughs> and move straight to the second game. It would be much less scary. Uh, but on the basis we do actually have to play someone, um, I'd probably rather play West Ham away than just about anyone else. Um, there's also the factor, I mean, uh, West Ham, I think, have been underperforming for a couple of years. Uh, I really like a couple of the signings that they've brought in. Their new number nine looks a player and a half. Definitely. And I, I think I would rather play them before he's at a chance to bed himself in and uh, get the hang of the Premier League than you know going there in November to, to face him then. So yeah, no, I, I I'm I'm more than happy with the fixture that we got and, and uh, bring it on. You took my uh, you took my point. I think that they did really good business this summer, and I think that actually we've looked out in playing them in the opening day because I think that they will get better. As the, particularly the two the two attacking players, um, uh, Pablo Fornals is the uh, the Spanish uh, young Spanish creative midfielder, um, and uh, Sebastian Heller is the uh, is the number nine. Uh, I, I think that I'm happy to go and play them on the opening day of the season before those lads get a chance to properly bed in. Um, Howard. Would you go along with, before we drill down into how City are actually going to approach it and what team Guardiola may pick based on fitness, do you kind of go along with Ali's point that we've got a really good record there um, and that if you put aside any opening day anomalies that, that I've kind of referenced, that it's pretty it's a pretty good fixture because Pellegrini likes to play football and he likes his teams to try to play football. That kind of suits us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh- on the, I don't think it's out yet. The uh, a league matter show. We talked about West Ham a bit, uh, a team that I thought might do better than the previous season. And I was like, well, I don't say this with a lot of confidence, really, because I've still, I don't truly, I can't truly rate Manuel Pellegrini as a manager, even though he was at City for three years. Uh, he's obviously got many merits, but he doesn't change. You know his his tactics to to suit when that does play into our hands. Uh, but if you look at the, I think it was the Guardian and Jacob Steinberg's a West Ham fan. They do have they really crop up against bottom half teams more than they do the top teams. Uh, you know if you take City out of the equation, so and of course they drew at home to Liverpool last season. So they do have a good record against uh, some of the the top the top six sides in speech marks. But against us, they've just been torn apart because they don't adapt their team whatsoever. And what you said, that I think they're going to be a very entertaining team this season. But in their transfer window, might have been good for attacking players. I don't think they've really addressed anything at the back. Mm. And they're just relying on what they've got. And you look at, I don't know, is it Cresswell still? And Zabaleta might still be at right back. Uh I just think they they are Declan Rice cannot you know stem the flow of everything. I do, I do think they are really there for the taking defensively, uh, and if he does, if he just comes and plays his game against City, then I mean even in pre season, obviously we take nothing from pre season, especially that early in pre season. But it wouldn't surprise me if you saw those sort of gaps again uh, in their defence because I don't think he's addressed that side either, but. For a television game for neutrals, yeah, I think it's going to be an absolutely cracking game. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think they have got one centre-back that I like, the um, the French lad Issa Diop that, Diop, that they yeah. signed, I think, last summer. I, I do think that he has potential. I do like him. Um, okay, let's kind of begin to look at this from Guardiola's point of view. Ali, going off pre-season, um, who do you think is a shoe-in? So which players stroke positions do you go, yeah, okay, look, based on preseason, they will without question start. Okay, I'm going to take issue with the terms of your question, I think, because okay. I'm not quite sure how preseason fits into this. Um, I, I was thinking about what will be in Pep's head uh, picking this team, and one of them, I think, is that he will want his uh, established uh, recognised first team players to feel comfortable and be back in their stride as soon as possible. Um, mm-hmm. He's used the preseason and including the uh, Community Shield to uh, get 
the new players and, and some of the younger players some pitch time uh, to, I guess, get to know them, for him to get to know them a bit better. Uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if uh, few to any of them actually start the first game and he might well revert to uh, his tried and, tried, tested and trusted players from, from the last couple of years. Uh, so I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Aguero starting, for example, uh, despite the fact he hasn't played any preseason, because uh, I think Pep will want him absolutely up full speed for the Spurs game. Uh, so he will need the match time there. Uh, same, I'm, I really don't know about Fernandinho. Um, I think my guess is for the year, uh, for the season ahead, Fernandinho will still be first choice uh, central defensive mid- midfielder. Um, and again, for that reason, uh, Pep might want him to be back a- up to full speed. Uh, so uh, I'm not expecting to see uh, many of the new faces or many surprises. Um, I think, you know, if there's a surprise, it might be how uh, um, familiar the team is tomorrow. Um but I'd, I'm more than prepared to be entirely proven wrong about that. Okay. Okay. Howard, what about for you? Like, um, Ali in his first Friday show appearance has basically gone, I'm not answering your question, Asam. <laughs> so, Hawking, you're definitely answering it, mate. Um, which players do you feel are ready? Oh, uh, well, I can give you my team. Because that tells you who I think is ready. Okay, go on then. Give me a team. I think Edison will walk straight back in because I don't. Wow, think... really? Well, yeah. Okay. So he has shown the way he's talked about Bravo. Yeah, means that it wouldn't surprise if he doesn't walk in uh, straight back into the side. I think. I think Walker Stones, Laporte, Zinchenko. Old style yep. is how they're already at the ports fit and training again. Supposedly, Stones has been on the pitch, and so of the other the fullbacks, I think the time Rodgers had preseason, he starts not Fernandinho. I think Kevin and Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva are ready, and I think Jesus starts up front because he had to come on last week. So maybe it wasn't planned for him to have that much game time, but he's got it. So I'd I'd favour him over Sergio Aguero, and if mm. who's ready or wide, well Sterling's ready, of course, and probably Bernardo Silva. So yeah, there's not much change. Obviously, it is quite a traditional side. That I think I think they're all ready, and I think Jesus is probably ready to start a game as well. But they'd probably like Serge to come on at some point. Mm. So how do you feel about? So let's say that Rodri does start. How do you feel about that? Do you feel that that's the right call? Or would you prefer him to have a bit more time training, bearing in mind that Gundogan is there and he's had a pretty decent preseason? Well, I'm not going to say decent preseason, but he's there and he could potentially play in that position. Or do you think just from the minutes that Rodri's played that he plays? Yeah, I think from the minutes... Uh, and the fact he's such a big signing that he plays and he's done well and he had the Liverpool test where he did well so mm. you know and he can only learn he's still have stuff to learn he's got a new system to learn but he can only do that truly on the pitch so yep. yeah good one's an interesting one of course having you signed a new contract to then being benched might will get tongues wagging no doubt uh, but I think Rodri yeah is in that place in the side I'd expect him to start to be honest it's been it's been that much time on the pitch that he's put, you know, I think he's been geared up to start from the beginning of the season. And then there's more decisions to be made when Fernandinho's match fit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Ali, what have you made of Rodri's uh, uh, slow integration over preseason into the team? Um, and do you would you feel it would be a risk to play a new player in such a key position um, on the opening day of the season? Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know, but my guess is, uh, as I said a moment ago, I think Fern, Fern is still first choice CDM for this season, uh, and Rodri will be first choice CDM uh, in what we're twenty to twenty one. Um, 
So I think this will be the year that Rodri learns how to play pep football. Okay. Um, and, and I'm also, I'm, I'm very conscious of, of uh, getting, I don't know how we, how we get uh, Aguero and Fernandinho ready to play unless they play. And it mm. seems to me that uh, going out against West Ham is a far better time to to get match minutes than against Tottenham or or you know uh, having him having them sitting on the bench for for more days and weeks getting increasingly fidgety. Uh, so uh, Pep is always into squad management, and I can't help thinking that the fact that a lot of these players uh, really haven't had any preseason is a, a a reason for them to be starting or at least kind of coming on with a, a good. 30 plus minutes to go uh, and and getting the, the time that way. Um, I like the idea of West Ham as the match to to get some of these players back in. But uh, I think Rodri has looked great um, in, in the Community Shield, particularly in the second half. He kind of did a lot of really good, dirty work that wasn't particularly uh, spectacular or eye-catching, um, but kept us in the game for a long time when it, it looked like it was running away from us. Uh, and, you know, on, and over the, the pre-season matches, which weren't really very challenging, uh, he looked absolutely the part. Uh, but I, I just think the the intricacies of a Pep Guardiola team, uh, it takes players a long time to learn their role, whatever that role is. And I think for what is the Pep Guardiola role, you know, the, the, the job that he did, Absolutely. The, the, the position that he knows better than other, any other, I think he will want a lot of time to ease Rodri into into that job. And I'm not convinced he will be the, the starting uh, number six for, you know, for August. Um, mm. I th- still think that might be fair. And particularly when, you know, matches are only coming one a week until we get into the middle of September when, you know, the cups start and so on and so forth. Uh, so, you know, the, the players who've got a few more years on the clock uh, can can get a game and then have a full week to recover. And, and um, you know, th- this seems like a good time to be getting, getting the band back together and, uh, <laughs> And and I, you know, I would be really happy to see that. Um, at the same time, I'm yeah, I'm really eager to see Rodri and Cancelo particularly really um, shine and and become part of the part of the family and and part mm. come to the party. Um, I don't think it's really Pep style to to throw them straight in and expect them to hit the ground running. Uh, he does like to do a lot of work on players with uh, behind the scenes. Um, before they, you know, he expects too much of them on the pitch. So we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, what's your team then? What, what I, I asked you to, I asked yeah. you to have a team ready. So what's your yeah, team? Indeed. Uh, actually, not that different to to Howard. Uh, I think Edison will start uh, yeah. again. Again, same reason. I think he will just be itching to to get back between <laughs> the sticks. Um, uh, so Edison, uh, my own, uh, the most likely one is uh, Walker. Stones, Laporte, if he's fit, uh, obviously that's a, just a purely factual question. We don't know how, how fast he's recovered from his injury and, and whether he's ready to start. With, but uh, Stones and then either uh, Laporte or Otamendi, don't really mind which. Uh, now, I think Zinchenko will probably start, but I do have just a sneaky feeling for, a, a, again, another little little pep, uh, bit of pep magic it wouldn't be out of character for Pep to put Cancelo on the left and give Zinchenko a bit of a jolt because uh, Zinchenko is the kind of player who you don't want his ego running too far ahead of him and he seems to be at his best when he's desperately trying to prove himself. Um, and if Cancelo is to get a run out, uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him pop up on the left rather than the right, uh, which would be an interesting one. But having said that, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though. I like a mad shout on the Friday show. And, and well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely a mad shout for the Friday show. Cancelo at left back against West Ham after <laughs> two days of training. Yeah, um, I know. Uh, but it, 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 Pep has has done things like that with fullbacks in the past. I remember Danilo mm. played his first games at uh, left back, not right back again. Uh, so who knows? But um, and. I'm, I, I, that's not completely out of left field because uh, Cancelo does play left back for Portugal or has done. Uh, he has done. done very well, and I think he's he's uh, played 
a few club games there as well, um, and people seem you know fairly confident of his uh, of his abilities to do that in the left. Um, so there, there's a, a little left field shout, but um, you know most likely I think Zinchenko there. Um, again, my hunch is Fernandinho, but obviously I wouldn't be at all surprised if Rodri's at six, um, and then. Uh, Absolutely, David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, uh, Sterling, Bernardo, and then toss a coin between Aguero and Jesus. Um, mm. I, I mean, I, I think last year uh, Aguero played so well that he just nailed down that starting position. But I think uh, uh, Pep has always had in mind that as the years go by, Jesus will start more and Aguero will start less and they will slowly um, replace each other in in terms of his favoured, you know, first choice. But we're not quite there yet. So I think my guess is Aguero would still be number one, assuming he's fit. And I think, uh, as I said, I think Pep might like him to get that uh, time in the pitch and and match fitness back before some more challenging games come along, particularly the the Tottenham one. Uh, So, yeah, um, if I had to uh, put my house in something, I would say, yeah, Howard's probably right, Jesus, but I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Aguero. And then, other than that, it's it's the familiar faces. Yeah, I think the only thing with Aguero is that sometimes he needs a minute to get up to full match yeah. fitness and sharpness. And That's kind of why I think he'll be given it, though. Yeah, it's. I think that the, the, that line, I, I actually, the, the, you've, you've made a compelling argument because I think the line with Aguero sometimes is that he needs the minutes to get sharp. Um, and you almost have to accept a little bit of bluntness, bluntness early doors. But having said that, I also look at the the kind of enthusiasm of Jesus uh, when he came on and the way that he played. And you know, toss a coin. You're right. Absolutely, it's uh, it's toss a coin. Look, my team, uh, the team I expect is. Believe it or not, I expect Bravo to get a start just because he had a really good chariot shield and a really good preseason, and it'd be kind of harsh to just go see you later, mate. Um, so I think it'd be Bravo, I think it'd be Walker, Stones, Laporte, Zinchenko. I think Rodri starts. I think he starts because West Ham play in a particular way, and the way in which they play probably gives him a bit more time and space, and so Guardiola will probably take that risk and go, well, I can start him because... He did okay against Liverpool's mad full-court press, so he'll be all right against West Ham. I don't know after Kevin De Bruyne whether it's David Silva or it's Ilkay Gundogan. I just don't know. I David Silva played more minutes in pre-season, so that probably edges it his way. Um, yeah, the two wide players, Sterling and Bernardo, and yeah, we've had the Aguero conversation. I don't know. We'll, we'll, I guess we'll have to see. Howard? This is your favourite part after predicting the teams, is predicting the scores. What's it going to be? 1-3. Uh, nice. So we're not going to have a clean sheet. In fact, not so nice. Um, no. Ali, what's your, uh, what's your score prediction? I would love it to be a goal fest, but I've just got a feeling first game of the season it'll all be a bit nervy on both sides and maybe 0-2. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was gonna go with I was gonna go with nil two, but since you've had it, I'm actually gonna go with one nil and then City shut up shop and everybody goes, yeah. What are City doing? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> well not like not like, you know, shut up shop, like just play less gung ho, because obviously Guardiola never really closes the shop. Um, okay, so that's I believe our West Ham preview in the bag, which leaves the last part of our Friday show to be a little look at one of the other Premier League games. Now, I gave Howard the choice between United and Chelsea and uh, Liverpool, Norwich, and he very wisely chose United and Chelsea. Um, Howard, you wrote the question. I'm going to ask you to answer it first. Which manager is under more pressure here? Solskjaer or um, Lampard? Solskjaer. Because, Why? because Lampard, I mean, really, it should be about the same, would be a logical, sensible answer. I think Lampard, because he's a club legend, I mean, I know Solskjaer is, but he's been there now for, you know, he's had his honeymoon period, Solskjaer, that's a difference, and it's tailed off. And the summer's been a mess, which would probably come to kind of a mess. Uh, so he, he's not in a honeymoon period now. Lampard has still got a, 
honeymoon period. He could do exactly the same as Sari does. Performance, performance, every single performance the same, the same path, the same results and the same outcome and win the same tournament. Obviously, yeah, that's unlikely. And he'd get a far better... Yeah, he would not get slated at all, whereas Sari was just, you know, from day one, really, wasn't accepted at Chelsea. So I just think he's going to get a bit more leeway for his performances and given more time, whereas Solskjaer has kind of had his already. And if if United do not get off to a good start this season, the pressure on Solskjaer will be immense. And on Woodward, in a way. Whereas don't think it'll be quite as big on Lampard, especially as you can use excuses of losing Hazard, transfer ban, and so on. There are kind of reasons why he won't be truly judged until half halfway through the season, unless it's going that badly. <laughs> you can't ignore it. That's my theory, anyway. Okay. Okay. Um, Ali? Um, I kind of go along with Howard. I do think mm-hmm. that Solskjaer's under a lot more pressure than... Than Lampard. Yep. Um, how do you actually view the summer that Man United have had? Because, you know, I'm going to put it out there first. You said you would have liked Juan Bissaka. I said all summer, I'd like Harry Maguire. So they've signed two players. I said this to somebody the other day. It's been a long time since Man United have signed a player who I think would even get in the City squad. In general, when they sign players in the last few years, it's just been like, what? Yeah, no. Um, I kind of look at Wan-Bissaka and Maguire and I feel as though they are improvements in their side. But then they've sold Lukaku, the only lad in that side who's got any pedigree for scoring goals. Solskjaer made so much noise at the end of last season about only wanting players who wanted to play for the shirt. Um and then he allows Pogba and his agent to basically talk rubbish in the media all summer about wanting to leave, and he's kind of still there. Um, what's your what's your take, Ali, on the on the United Solskjaer pressure season? I am trying to be as uh, level headed and, and sympathetic towards my uh, <laughs> red mates as I can. Red uh, yeah, I, uh, they've had an absolute shocker. They have. Um, they finished last season, and I think all neutral commentators, but actually all United supporters that certainly I heard from, uh, were adamant that United needs something in the region of six, seven, eight top class new players. Um, they had to ship out a lot of dead wood and they had to bring in an awful lot of fresh blood just to compete in the top six. Uh, they have got nowhere near that. Uh, I mean, they've, they've, uh, the two defenders, I mean, I, I'm a big, a big admirer of Juan Bissaka and, and, uh, I think he will, I hope, young player, I, I wish him well. Um, and Maguire is a player that, that United definitely needed. They've needed a, a, a big stroppy centre half for a long time. Um, but they need so much more than that and they really haven't got it. And I think the pressure on Solskjaer now and on Woodward and the whole club from their own fans is absolutely massive. Um, the the uh, chatter on social media from United fans, they're, they're not in good uh, not in good frame of mind at the moment. Um, and I'll, I'll be brutally honest, I don't think Solskjaer is a great manager mm. and I don't think he ever was. And I think mm. they kind of kidded themselves and they had that amazing little run of, of games when he first came in uh, when everybody got very excited about Oli being at the wheel. Um, and then it very quickly went into a ditch and it's been there ever since. And I think the the huge problem that United have had this summer is that players no longer want to come to Man United to play for them. Snobbed um, FC. Yeah, yeah, absolutely that. Um, and, and that kind of becomes a, a self-perpetuating problem. I don't know how they get out of that. I mean, they, they somehow have to... Um, play their way back into the Champions League. Uh, and until they do that, um, they're going to continue to struggle to get, you know, whether it's Ericsson or, or uh, Dybala or whoever else they might want. They're not going to come to a play, to a team that is struggling to get into the, the um, UEFA, UEFA Cup, whatever that's called these days. <laughs> um, 
So it's a it's a an it's becoming a, a sort of a structural problem at that club. It, it, it's kind of they're they're having failure and underachievement um, almost built into their DNA, uh, and. I think that I honestly think they are struggling not just for the top four. I think they're struggling for the top six this year, and I wouldn't be enormously surprised if they were down towards kind of tenth at the end, because uh, I think they're nowhere near where they need to be. And I could easily see um, Everton, uh, Leicester, even Wolves. West Ham. Uh, wolves, absolutely, um, uh, knocking them down and knocking them down and knocking them down, um, because it's not just about the quality of players, and their players were not good enough next year, uh, last year, and won't be any better. Most of them this year. A lot of old players are even older, and players who were struggling desperately for confidence um, and for team spirit and all the rest of it. That's not got any better, and I suspect it's got a lot worse. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I. If I had to make a prediction, and I'm sorry, some of my best friends really are United fans, and I'm not saying this to be hurtful or, or for the bants, um, I would be surprised if Solskjaer is still in a job come the new year. Yeah. You can say anything you want about United for the bants. This is, a, this is, <laughs> well, this is the I Friday know, show, 9320 podcast. We do a lot of banting. <laughs> we don't mean to, but we do do a lot of banting. <laughs> Before I get Howard to wrap up, Ali, who wins the game? The game is at Old Trafford. Who wins, United or Chelsea? Uh, can I go with a nil-nil draw? Of course you can. That's <laughs> probably my most likely prediction as well. So, yeah, I can definitely let you go with a, with a nil-nil draw. Um, Howard, just to wrap this up very quickly, looking at it from a Chelsea perspective. Um, now, they've, they're in the midst of a transfer ban, which means that they've actually done no business this summer. For Lampard, is that a bit of a blessing in disguise? Well, as I said earlier, it might just give him the... It's not really, let's be honest. Uh, you lose Eden Hazard, you want to spend that money on another exciting player. They'd be better off if they didn't have a ban and they could have bought a, you know, someone like Leroy Sane or someone explosive. Or And mm. to be honest, I still think they're desperately short up front. So no, I think the way it is a blessing in disguise is it will give him time it will give him time because he'll get it anyway because of who he is and his his history at the club but it means he can work with the players he's got and the the blessing in disguise is that he does use the vast swathes of youth players that are spread across the globe uh, that are affiliated to Chelsea Football Club because they have as we've seen from youth cup experience I don't know if they're ready for the first team but they have so much talent that they've rarely used that have gone on elsewhere. You know, they could, the next Kevin De Bruyne could get game time rather than be sent off or the next Salah or someone. If it gives youth players time and the Chelsea fans accept that this is that, you know, that, uh, I hate the words, transitional season, uh, then yeah, it could work in their favour and then he can make, then next summer he's got a better idea of which signings he needs to make. It all depends if he's given the patience basically to to work his way, you know, to build the squad with a few ups and downs in the coming season, or if he's expected to just hit the ground running and get results. But I think he will be given time. So let's not pretend that having a transfer ban is a positive. But it could allow you know it could allow some players that would never have got into that team to make themselves you know, to get noticed and have a, a great career because they may have the players already there yep. in their squad. Absolutely. Um, how do you see it playing out this weekend? Do you think Chelsea edge it or do you go along with Ali that it'll probably be a bit of a ball draw? Yeah, ball draw, I think. Mm. One all is my prediction. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I think Chelsea is... I still think they are short up front and I think they may be cautious during this game. Mm. Uh, I just think it's, I think for both sides, it's a case of let's not lose today, lads. <laughs> I think that, they, yeah. that will that will suit both sides. Yeah. Um, okay, excellent. Right, gentlemen, this was the first Friday show of the season and I absolutely bloody loved it. Ali, thank you very much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Mr. Hawking, thank you very much. Pleasure as always. Got, got a dilemma now, though. Go on. Do I... 
continue with five hours cleaning the house, or do I read Miguel Delaney's latest article on Abu Dhabi? <laughs> You've just taken my outro. You've literally just taken my outro. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I, Howard, I'm going to answer the question for you. In my opinion, if you're a City fan, do not click the link. Don't read it. Because there's no need to read it because it will just, you will learn nothing from it. There'll be nothing new in it. It will just be furthering the independence, Miguel's, whoever's agenda about making sure that City, the football club, are never mentioned without certain other hysterical phrases like sports washing. So just don't bother. Don't bother with the link. Get rid of it. Go and do something more useful. Like Howard said. Clean your house. Oh, I would definitely God. clean your Forget I'm about not, that thing. I'm not sure that is the better option, to be honest. <laughs> I understand, mate. I understand. <laughs> listen. Look, thank you very much anyway. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the first Friday show of the season. We'll be back next Friday with another Friday show. If you're a member of the 9320 player, we'll be back on Monday with a review of the West Ham game. In the meantime, as always, be safe, be well, and up the blues.